Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. The first week we walked through how we are the hope of the city. We have the hope of the city, so we are the hope of the city. Last week we talked about God's grace. God's so good, gives us second chances, has grace for us, and he has grace for our city. And so we, we walk through how we have the hope, we have God's grace. And now this week we're gonna walk through chapter three of Go to the Great City. So I'm gonna read from the CSB this morning. If you wanna follow along with me, if you have a Bible app on your phone, or if you have the side screens here, you can follow along with me there. Jonah, or if you got a Bible, if, if you brought a Bible to church, that's a good idea too. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you to. Jonah got up and he went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and they dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. He then issued a decree in Nineveh by the order of the king and his nobles. No person or animal Herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth. And everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with. He did not do it. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for always restoring us back to you. When we stray, God, you're there to forgive us, to love us, and to reconnect with us. I just pray that today your Holy Spirit would speak to us that these words would not be mine, but yours, God. And we just welcome your Holy Spirit right now, the spirit of truth, to speak truth to us as we take in this word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jonah finally preaches to the city, as God told him to, and the message works. Who'd have thought obeying God would lead to good things in our lives, right? Uh, but Jonah's message turned people uh, from their evil ways back towards God. Compassion shifted the culture of the city. Compassion led them to repentance. But Jonah withheld compassion at first. At first he was like, no, I don't want to go to Nineveh, right? He gets on the ship. He's like, I'm going to do my own thing. And he's like got a hard heart towards the city of Nineveh. And I know that, I don't know about you, but for times in my life, there's often times where I want to withhold compassion. What stops us from having compassion for people. I think there's a few things that might apply to me or or maybe you. We feel like 
here's something that stops us from, you know, giving out compassion. We feel like no one had compassion on us. You ever feel like that? It's like, some people got to learn the hard way, just like I did, okay? I had it so tough. I'm not showing them compassion, right? I don't know about you, but I can get like that sometimes. Or we feel like they don't deserve it. It's like, here is the line for compassion. You're here. Sorry, you just don't, you, you just don't get compassion from me. Uh, and so sometimes we can feel like everybody else's faults are bigger than our own. You ever feel like that? But here's, I think here's the big one. I think we often withhold compassion because we're burnt out from it. Because we had compassion before and people took advantage of us. You don't want to do it anymore. You show compassion, you feel like, oh, that was gross. Like I did all the work there and that person just burnt me. And I think sometimes it's because our compassion comes from a place of I should do the right thing. But the reality of it is, is that's religion. It's like should. I'm going to do the right thing because I have to because God made me. But when we allow God's Spirit to work within us, when we invite God's Holy Spirit to come in, even into our Bible reading, into our day-to-day lives, we'll, we'll, we start to sense more of God's love and God's presence. Compassion will just flow out of us. It won't feel like something that you're working so hard to do. It just starts to kind of pour out of you. In Luke 6, 36, Jesus says to be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. You know, God's a good God. God's a compassionate God. You know, in Exodus chapter 34, when God chooses to describe himself, when he's trying to say like, you know, this is who I am, the first word God uses is compassion to describe himself. He's not, he, he could have used so many other words, like great and powerful God. He could have used words like creator. You know what he says? I'm a God of compassion. I'm compassionate. That's the God we serve. This word compassion, the word compassionate, the Hebrew word for it is rechum. And the, the compassion is uh, rakamim. Both of those words are related to the Hebrew word rechem. What I want you to grasp this morning is the root word for those words is very similar to the word womb, like a mother's womb. And so God's compassion is likened to maternal love that deep maternal love. Compassion is centered in a person's human core. But it, the, 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 the Hebrew word, it's like there's something deeply moved within us, something within us. It's an intense emotion, but it's not just an emotion, it's an action. That God is moved by compassion. He's not just like something he feels, oh, I feel compassion for them, you know, I'm so sad. It's action that when the Israelites were in a mess, when they're stuck in slavery, God rescues them. He's moved by compassion to rescue his people. God rescues his people by entering into human suffering. He sent Jesus and Jesus is deeply moved by compassion. Jesus has called us then into compassion as well. And in this verse, in Jonah chapter three, it's a story of how compassion can shift the culture of a city. Can I just tell you that compassion for our city will shift the culture of our city as well? Compassion shifts culture. God's desire for Jonah was, let's warn them so I could save them. 
preaching the city to bring compassion, not to bring judgment. God's heart is, I don't want to bring judgment. I take no pleasure in that. I want to show compassion. And he did. And that brought repentance. And sometimes it it feels like it's our job to go in and judge and call out situations where God is saying, no, go and bring compassion to that person. I've called you, just like Jonah, to bring compassion, not judgment. And when we talk about the pain of our city, it can be easy to let your mind go to the most obvious and the most desperate needs. But I promise you that you you don't have to go very far out of your way to spread God's love and compassion to those around you. I wonder what needs are surrounding us that maybe we're just overlooking. It's emotional need, need for connection, a need for somebody to just make eye contact with you and say, you know, you, you make you feel like you belong somewhere. Giving people hope, people feeling heard, being seen. So many people just feel overlooked and ignored. But just like Nineveh, God's word has the power to change a city. We can believe that God's word has sent what he sent it to do. The culture of Nineveh was wicked and evil. And Jonah's preaching shifted the culture for people to repent. The king hears the word and he commands the people, you guys got to stop doing what you're doing. You're not going to the club tonight. You're dressing in sackcloth instead, right? He's like, it's time to repent, right? We're not partying tonight. We're turning to God and saying, God, we humble ourselves. I promise you, compassion will do this in his city. And you can have confidence in the power of the Bible. You can have confidence in the power of the Bible. You can also have confidence in the accuracy of the Bible. I love the Bible. Man, what a, it's, not just, it's not just God's word that's alive and active. It's also history. You know, the Bible is, is, is the most accurate book out there. There's, there's so many things that maybe people make mistakes here or there. The, the Bible is the truth that we can stand on. I love the CSB version of the Bible. So let's, let's talk about the Bible a little bit this morning. The Bible was written between 1440 uh, BC and 96 AD. And I love this version of CSB. I've been reading this version for about two years. Big ESV guy before that. I was like, don't mess with me. I'm reading my ESV. But then I got a hold of this CSB and it's beautiful. And sometimes people are like, what version of the Bible do I read? I don't, there's this one, there's that one. What's the best one? You know what? There's a lot of great versions out there. And I just encourage you, if you're feeling like I need a refreshing, just go on Amazon right now, order CSB. It's like 40 bucks. You're gonna spend that, you know, going out to eat after church. It's well worth it to get a good Bible in your hands. I love this one because I can carry it around, hang out with it. It's become a little buddy for me. I love this thing. But I love the CSB because it was finished in 2016. And we had a hundred, not we, I wasn't part of it, but they did, had a hundred scholars from 17 different denominations working on this thing. The CSB was pulled from over 5,000 manuscripts to be put together. Isn't that amazing? That we have that many manuscripts of the Bible dating all the way back, pulled from over 5,000. Now, you might think, okay, is that normal? Well, I don't know about you, but did you you ever have, growing up, we had these, these people in church, God bless them, but they were like, they were like the King James only version people. And they sort of looked down at the, the people who would read the NIV. Um, the NIV, um, don't give me that modern garbage. You're not a real believer if you don't read the, the, the King James version of the Bible. Thou sayeth the Lord. You know, the, these people would like King James only. But I'll tell you why I love the CSP. The King James finished in 1611 
was pulled from just six to 10 manuscripts. As opposed to the CSP, that was pulled from over 5,000. Because something happened. 1947, they find these Dead Sea Scrolls. And it's amazing what happened there. Because they, they find these Dead Sea Scrolls and the, the current book of Isaiah that we had, in these Dead Sea Scrolls, they, they found a version of it a thousand years older than the ones they used to write the Bible at the time. Isn't that so cool? Here's the crazy thing. There was hardly any variance between these manuscripts and, the, and this, this word. So cool. Like God's word is, is not just powerful, it's accurate. It's the greatest piece of history there could be. It's so reliable. You can trust God's word. It's amazing. In contrast, Mormonism is about 200 years old. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and you can trust God's word. This whole book that's still alive and active and a great thing to guide us today. And as Isaiah 55, sorry, says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. So if you're struggling to witness, I know people are like, I'm struggling to, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to talk to people or to evangelize to people. Well, we're all going to be in different situations. I just encourage you, take a step, try something, share a little, just a little bit, you know, just sh sh talk about your story. How powerful was Dana's story this morning? That, you know, she struggled with real doubts, stuff like that, and, and God just came alive to her. It's beautiful. And you preach God's word to somebody, you know, differently, the, the down and out versus the up and out. But either way, it's the same thing. We can speak to hopelessness, speak to pain, Speak to need, speak to the goodness of God. Psalms 103 says, I am the Lord who satisfies you with good. Who satisfies you with good. So many people are looking to all sorts of things to satisfy them. Can I just tell you, satisfaction comes from the Lord alone. True satisfaction that we're looking for. Psalm 103 says, the Lord who satisfies you with good. In both situations, up and out or down and out, he's still the hope of the world. He's still the hope for your family. He's still the hope for your friend. Get the word of God in your heart. Why? Because the word of God does not return void. So if the word of God is in your heart, you start to speak the word of God out, your word will not return void. You'll start to make an impact in people's lives around you. And compassion is someone else's need breaking your heart. Saying, I'm, I'm going to allow somebody else's need to mess with me. Maybe saying it this way, when people get around you, do they feel seen? They feel like you heard them. You gotta let your heart get broken. Jonah, he's so funny because he's a terrible example. He really is. Like, if you're paying attention, it's funny. The more I read this book, the more I was like, Jonah is a bit of a loser. But also, the more I read this book, the more I saw myself in Jonah. So, funny thing about him. But he's such a terrible example because he's like, well, I, we talked about it last week a little bit. He, this guy would rather die than go and love his enemies. Like he could have told the sailors, uh, and, you know, guys, take me back to shore. I just got to go to Nineveh. I know the storm is God messing with me. What does he do to the sailors? Throw me off the boat. Just kill me. I don't want to love my enemies. I can't stand those guys. He's so reluctant to bring the message to the city, but at least he still preaches in the city. God is asking him to see the need 
and go do something about it. And it's so cool because when we do that, when we're a part of seeing the need and doing something about it, I was reading these studies this week that compassion for others is actually good for you. And it's like, oh man, you know, I want to get more healthy. It's like, yeah, go see a therapist. That's great. Yeah, go, you know, do some whatever, hiking or whatever, something that's good exercise that makes you feel good. But actually compassion is, is good for your spirit. Read, re, reading some of these studies, these are secular studies, by the way, saying that compassion for others reduces our own anxiety. Compassion for others reduces our stress. Compassion for others reduces our depression. So cool. And it leaves you with better mental health and actually a stronger immune system. Man, God designed us for compassion. God designed us this way. And no wonder Paul gives us this instruction. In Colossians 3.12, says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, what's he say? Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He's like, he's not like, guys, compassion's a good idea now and then. Give it a try. We'll see what happens. He's like, clothe yourself in it. This is how people will know you belong to God. There's going to be a Heritage Classic uh, hockey game in a few hours. And he, are you guys excited for the Heritage Classic? I know our team's a little, you know, sad right now, but we're going to come out through it today. And, and we're going we're gonna to bind together as the city. And we're going to, as God's chosen city, we're going to fight the devil's city, the flames, which gives, it's a bit of a prophecy of where they're from and where they're going. No, <laughs> chill. But as, you know, we're going to see some cool heritage classic jerseys. When they put those jerseys on, it's a reminder of which team they belong to. And when you clothe yourself in compassion, it's a reminder of who you belong to. And somebody's here this morning feeling like they don't belong this place, they don't belong that place, they're not sure if God loves them, just clothe yourself in compassion, see what happens. It'll be a reminder for you of who you belong to. Jesus acted out of compassion. He healed diseases, he cast out spirits, he empowered others to do the same. Why? Because he had compassion on them. He fed the hungry, he raised the dead, because Jesus had compassion. And two of the most famous stories that have lived on about Jesus are rooted in compassion. A couple of them are just our, our classics, if you will. The Good Samaritan, it's rooted in compassion. You know, that guy, he goes on the side of the road, this man's beat up, bruised, and he takes care of him. He pays for it all. Hey, if it's not enough, I'll come back and I'll take care of more. The prodigal son, this guy's out turning his back on his family, wasting his inheritance, just doing his own thing. But what happens? The father runs out to meet him in the field and says, let's party. It's just a symbol of how good God is and the character, the nature, his action, what he does. And God's compassion revives and restores his people. You'll see that all throughout the Bible. I want to ask you this morning, have you allowed it to revive and restore you? Have you allowed the compassion of the Father to revive and restore you? Or maybe I'll say it this way. Do you see yourself in these stories? That when you were broken, when you were on the side of the road, God didn't leave you there. He restored you. You might not have seen it that way at the time, 
you look back, you'll see how God is taking care of you. He's watching over you. You know, maybe you were the prodigal son, wasting the father's resources, just doing your own thing. But God welcomed you with open arms. You got to see how much God cares about you, my friend. When we start to see ourselves in the story, how much he loves us, how much he takes care of us, it starts to shift the culture in our hearts. And then the story flips. And we are no longer on the side of the road. We're no longer eating pig slop with our, you know, we're no longer out wasting away Father's resources. We start to align ourselves with Jesus. We start to become like Jesus on the other side of these stories where we see the people hurting, broken, bruised, and we help them. We see the son coming home and we welcome that son with open arms. And our compassion shifts the culture in people's lives. Compassion shifts the culture even in the church. And compassion will shift the culture in the great city we live in. Can I tell you, you can preach to the city by meeting the needs around you. You can preach to the city by meeting the needs around you. You don't need a stage. You don't need a platform. You can just meet needs. Jonah met the need of saving these people from destruction. He wakes them up to the fact that their lives will end if they don't repent. And there's an old saying that goes, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And it's actually kind of biblical. John tells us this, 1 John 3, 16 to 18, says, this is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Whew, John, we're just trying to make it through service this morning and you're like calling us out here. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. What's the need that God is illuminating in your life? You know, your actions can preach about the God you serve. You can preach by, and you can just, you can preach by just driving an extra kid home from school. Needs a ride having that space in your life and in your car. You preach by driving kids to youth. I remember it's like youth, when I was a youth pastor, it was always like, hey man, where have you been the last couple of weeks? My mom wouldn't drive me. You know, it was like always the answer. I don't know if it was true or not. Maybe they didn't ask their mom. But I do remember this, that growing up, we had a, we had a safari van. Anybody remember safari vans? Oh, these vans were strong. If you had a safari van, like you had a strong childhood. And man, it's not like, you know, it's not like we had everything in life, but we did have that safari. I remember, my parents loved that van, even though the alternator kept going on that thing. They loved that van. It was so so roomy. We didn't have the DVD system or anything, any of the luxuries that the kids have these days. There was a Game Boy in there and it belonged to my brother Isaac and he wouldn't let any of us touch it because he's not a compassionate person like that. But... (laughs) But I remember that van. I love that van. Comfy van. And I remember my mom. It just seemed like we had unlimited seats when it came to youth group in that van. That when, when, when it was Friday night and school was finally over, we were headed to youth. It's like anybody could come. And this wasn't the culture of our home. Like there was a ton of people all around all the time. But I, I know that my mom used that van to preach the gospel to young people. And my mom would fill that van full of sweaty, stinky teenagers who wouldn't say thank you 
but she would make sure they say thank you. What do you say on the way out of the car? You know, that's a good mom right there. I say all that to say, you can change lives by having an extra seat in your vehicle. Or just having some space in your heart. Say, I'll be inconvenienced for the, that young man or woman. I just want to ask you as we inch towards closing this morning, what's your Nineveh? How do you preach to the city? Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's having an extra seat at the table. You just, you have a heart to feed people. An extra seat in the car, maybe just a listening ear. There's so much emotional needs surrounding us. People just need affirmation. Telling young people what you see in them or, or anybody. I was talking about driving kids to youth, but anybody. Helping someone feel seen or heard. I think that we all have more to offer than we realize. How did Jesus preach compassion? He met needs. So how do I uh, preach to the city? I do the same. How do we preach to the city? We do the same. Find a way to meet needs for people. Culture teaches you, you got to look out for yourself because nobody's going to look out for you. You got to take care of your own. But the Bible teaches us, bring compassion. It'll shift the culture in someone's life, in a city, whatever, wherever you find yourself. Jonah met the need of saving the city from destruction. And you might say, well, I don't have enough. I can't do enough. I don't know what I really could offer. I just want to encourage you. Like I said before, we look at Jonah. This guy is pathetic. Like he really is. He's supposed to be this man of God and he's acting the total opposite way. You know, you'll see why I say that in chapter four. Like the next thing we read is like, this guy Jonah is like, he is so weak. He's so disobedient, so selfish, so spiteful, so resentful, but God uses his obedience anyway. Come on, God will use your obedience. You put a little faith in him, a little trust in him, step of faith, God will use it. But if all we do is pour out compassion and we don't allow God's compassion and the power of his Holy Spirit to work in us, we'll get burnt out. If all we do is, I'm going to act this way, I'm going to do this. If you do that without inviting the Holy Spirit, the love of God into you, and realizing how much compassion God has for you, you'll get burnt out. You see, God is moved by compassion towards us. God is moved by compassion towards us. And in chapter three, Jonah is given yet another chance. God doesn't give up on Jonah, though we might have. God sees Jonah. He's moved by compassion towards him because we have a God that sees us. In Genesis chapter 16, there's this, uh, this lady named Hagar. And Hagar gets pregnant from Abraham. And it was Abraham's wife's idea, Sarai. So she's like, yeah, you know, go get the concubine pregnant. So he's like, okay. <laughs> like, I guess, you're my wife, you're telling me. And, and he goes and gets her pregnant. And now this lady's mad at her. He's like, she's like, ah, I'm gonna mess you up. And so Hagar has to run. She's like out in the wilderness. She's running from Sarai in her anger. And this angel puts her at ease. And the angel starts to speak to her. And he says, hey, you're pregnant. And God sees you. He says, name the kid Ishmael. Because the Lord has listened 
to your affliction. And then God gives her this word through this angel. It says, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And Hagar's like, wow, God's looking after me. She responds with this. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. She gives God this word in Hebrew, this name, El Roi, and it's translated to the God who sees or the God of seeing. Can I tell you, God sees what you're going through and he's the God of seeing. Would you stand today? Holy Spirit, thank you for your work in us. Thank you for continuing to soften our hearts and be the spirit of truth to us. You know, there's people today, you, you've been thinking that you've been carrying your burdens alone, but God's been there. He's the God who sees. He's the God who sees how stressed you are about your finances. The God who sees how worried you are about your kids. He sees how you're stressed about that son or daughter who's maybe walked away from God. He sees how worried you are about your health. He sees how stressed you are about this relationship thing that's going on maybe in your life. And he is the God who sees you. The God who sees. God, thank you for being the God who sees us, where we're at, what we're going through. You love us. You're a personal God. And you see what we're going through. Thank you, Father. Thank you for sending your spirit, the spirit of truth, to work in us and to be with us. And now today, as we close this service, if you're in the room and you're feeling some distance from God, you know that maybe, you, you, you maybe know Jesus died for you, but you haven't really responded to that and said, okay, Jesus, I accept that. And now I'm surrendering my life to you. I wanna encourage you, take this step of faith to pray with me, to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life, which means you're surrendering to him, living for him, but also accepting that nothing you could ever do could earn this new free life that you live in. You follow him now. If you'd like to pray a prayer with me to make that decision, all you gotta do is believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. God said, man, you're gonna have eternal life. You're gonna have a new life in me here on earth and you're gonna have eternal life with me in heaven. So I'm gonna ask everybody who calls Celebration Church home to repeat this prayer after me in agreement with you. We're your community. We're so proud of you. We wanna hold you up as we pray this beautiful prayer together. Just repeat after me, Jesus. Thank you for coming to this earth and living a perfect life to die on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that you're my Lord and God raised you from the dead. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to dwell within me and be with me. God, thank you for the new life that I receive today in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for how good God is. Thank you, Lord. 
Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.